0: but we don't stop there. We also focus on the person in salesperson. We talk about mindset, goals, time management, and so much more. So thank you for listening. And if you're interested, head on over to patreon.com slash inside sales excellence. Now with that, grab a notepad, get ready, and let's dive into the good stuff. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Live Better, Sell Better podcast. This is your host, Kevin Dorsey, aka KD. And in a world filled with sales enablement revenue enablement rep enablement we have lost sight of what actually matters is an entire process which is buyer enablement what are you as a rep as a leader and as a company doing to enable your buyers to make buying not only easier but more fun more engaging more educational in this process. Too often our sales processes have nothing to do with the buyer's processes and our sales enablement has nothing to do with buyer enablement. That is why I'm so excited to have Josh Feedy on the show with me today. He is the CEO and founder over at SalesReach where they focus on buyer enablement. How can you enable your buyer in this process to increase your close rates, increase deal sizes, and everything else? So we're going to dive in on how do you enable your buyers in the process. So Josh, my man, welcome to the show show.
1: Man, I can't even tell you this is a bucket list item for me. I'm not even joking. I'm not even joking. I'm not buttering you up. This is a bucket list item. I've been trying to get onto this show for a couple years now. I don't know how I finally made it happen, but it it seemed so
0: easy once it finally happened. You know, it's one of those things. True story, y'all. Like I am probably sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars in my LinkedIn inbox right now, and I have no idea. It is my own personal hell to go in there and look at things. And so I think Sounds I made like a,
1: another episode, right? I was like, yo, like,
0: All right, I think I made a post of like, All right, I need some people. And I'm sure there are. I'm sure there's people in my inbox right now. They're like, hey, I want to do it. And I'm Like, if I missed it, I missed it. But here we are. And I I love a a new term. I love a twist on a commonly used term into something different. And so when you talked about what you wanted to talk about today, you said buyer enabled which is not a common term yet doesn't it? you don't hear that popping up on linkedin and trains whatever else so when you say buyer enablement let's start with defining it and go from there yeah
1: this is this is a fun one right so when we started when i started salesreach about 7 years ago now in truth when we were building it we had no idea what we were really building we really didn't um, we knew we were kind of creating a new category. We didn't know what to call that category. We knew the challenges we were trying to solve for, but there wasn't really a term for those challenges. It was, it was confusing for us, though we knew what we needed to build. We knew what the output had to be. And it was after 12 months of building, I stumbled upon an article that Gartner had authored. And hidden in this article, they didn't make a big point of it at all, but hidden in the article, they used the term buyer enablement. And they said that the number one confuse the number one challenge in B2B selling today. And this was again, like eight years ago. Okay. But they said the number one challenge in B2B sales today is buyer confusion. And if we want to lower the amount of confusion that the buyers have and educate them better, we need to better enable buyers. We need to focus on buyer enablement is essentially what it said. And immediately I just, I went, this is it. This is what we do. Okay. And. It really wasn't one of those things that we just grabbed onto because it. we finally found a term that made sense. It actually made sense. And that really brought us down a really interesting road because that's when we started to realize that though there's a lot of sales technology in the world, the problem with most of them, at least in the review that I was doing of them, is that they were really only focusing on half of the equation. And in my opinion, it's the least important half of the equation, Sales enablement tools are here to enable sales teams and marketing teams to work better together internally to deliver the materials and whatever communications to their customers, right? All they're focusing on is how simple it is for the internal teams. That is a big problem in my mind because buying, if we know... And understand that buying is challenging. And Katie, you did a post just today actually about how challenging it is buying in the B2B space, right? You just want a demo and they want to pre qualify you. Are you kidding me? Have they not been to your LinkedIn page? What are they pre qualified? <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: I just, oh my God. Like, I, and you know, it's one of those things, man, where I got to remember I am at best, at best, like a G list celebrity, <laughs> you know, but there are times <laughs> where I'm like, Do you know, like, do you know who I am? I know, I know. (laughs) Come on, like, why, why do this? Why, why go through this, this process? But here, here I I am trying to see something and can't.
1: And when that happens, everyone does exactly what you do. It's just not everyone's voice carries as far as yours does, right? But everybody feels the same way. When people are, are trying to make a purchase today, we're not dummies. We know where to find information now. It is everywhere. It's not hard to understand what a product does long before you've reached out to a sales professional, right? You are downloading information. You are researching your own problems and the o- your own uh, solutions to your problems. You're identifying the products that you want to look at. When you finally get to that point, you're over 80% of the way through your journey now, which is absolutely insane, right? 80% of the way through your journey, now you're finally reaching out to a sales professional. You factor in the other um, companies that the prospects are going to be talking to. You have less than 3% of the time you used to have as a sales professional with the the prospect that you're talking to. So if you only have less than 3% of the time you used to have, right, how are you going to be as effective as possible? Well, number one, let's build some trust. And what's a great way to build some trust? To make sure that you're not making them feel like they are wasting their time. What's the best way to make someone feel like you're wasting their time? by totally just not acknowledging the fact that they're smart individuals that have done all this research on their own and saying, I want to pre-qualify you. I want to make sure that you have the right to talk to an AE at my company and get a demo of my product. I'm in the nerve. Are you kidding me?
0: Seriously. Up it, And it happens way more than people... Realize, and I can tell you all this. This is this is a place, interestingly enough. And you know, I'm am, I'm am good friends with with Keenan. We have debated this multiple times, where like we've gone back and forth on this, right? With with gap selling, it's the only place within gap selling that's like you know, I get it, but there are times where I think you know most buyers don't enjoy discovery. They don't. No. They don't enjoy it. We understand why it needs to be done, but I just think it can be done throughout the process better. Because what I've also seen is even if sometimes reps do great discovery, when there's a gap between that great discovery and then the actual presentation, the buying process, whatever, and then a six-month cycle, all that disco gets lost. Where really, I think it can be spread throughout more. And so I do think buying enablement is key. So let's go another layer down of like, well, like, what does that mean, mean though? So we just kind of said, well, what is it? Well, to enable your buyer, we kind of used the definition in the definition backwards right? and it
1: makes sense, right? Okay.
0: Let's go like what, like what's included in buyer enablement? Like, what does that actually mean, mean? Right.
1: And I think that it means different things to different people, obviously. But what it means to me and what we've built our entire platform around is let's just make sure that everything we're creating an ecosystem that support sellers in their efforts to ensure that buyers understand the complexity of the deal from start to finish. There's never any questions. Building evangelism's easy. Everything's here, right? So for me, when I was looking at why would a buyer be confused, I had to take a step back and go, okay, well, when were the times that I purchased in the B2B space? And honestly, Kevin, for so many people, I've asked them like, have you ever bought anything in the B2B space? And they're like, yeah, no, my boss doesn't let me do that. Right. My boss does that work. And it's like, you know what? That's a shame. Your boss should be taking you on a ride along when, when they are buying things in the B2B space so that you can see how other sales reps in that space communicate and so that you can understand where people might get confused. Because if you've never bought in the B2B space, you're not going to understand where that confusion happens. Mm-hmm. Number one. So wh- I had to look at that. Where's the breakdown being? And for me, the number one place that I was seeing a ton of breakdown was in the information sharing, okay? So from a rep's perspective, everything we do is logged in our CRM. Everything, whether we want it to be or not, most of us are horrible at it, but it still gets automatically synced because marketing's not gonna let that fly, right? So we send a PDF, we send a link, we send a video, we do whatever we do, and it is logged in our communications and all we have to do is go to our CRM to find it. And so on our side, because we're selfish, right? We think, when a customer reaches out to us and says, I'm about to go in front of the decision-making team and I can't find that one thing that I could have sworn you sent like six months ago. Can you resend it? We're sitting here going, well, you, you dummy, search your inbox, you know, put put in put in my name in, in, this, in the search bar. You'll find that stuff because for us, it's simple. It's all in front of us in our CRM, but it's not that way on the receiving end. Nobody's organizing the chaos that you're sending to their inbox every single day. Nobody's organizing that right? The receiving party is just getting the information in. And then when they have time to look at it, they're going to go to their inbox. They're going to download a couple things that they can find quickly. That's what they're going to bring to the team. So what I really wanted to make sure we were doing here is A, we know we're sharing a lot of information. We know that a lot of sales cycles are very long. We know that there's a lot of things getting lost. Let's create a place where those things live so that they're not getting lost anymore. Number one. Number two, we know that when you are a buyer in a B2B space, what you essentially are doing is being the internal advocate for the sales rep in your company. You're going to put your neck on the line for the for the salesperson and company that you're talking to in front of your entire organization. And what do you need? You need to feel equipped to make that decision and to have that conversation. And if we're not organizing all the information you need and making it simple for you to understand it and making it simple for you to take it and present it then we are not setting you up for success to help us sell this in, okay? Decision-making teams are huge. I mean, they were they were on average nine people before COVID. Now they're on average 17. I'm sure you've heard this stat. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. How do you enable 17 people to understand the complexity of a B2B sale? There's no way you're talking to those 17 people, right? But if you can organize everything in a meaningful way, in a way that makes sense, in a dedicated place. It's a resource center. You can call it what you want. You can call it a sales page. You can call it a client portal. You can call it a resource center. I don't care. What it is, is it's organizing information. And then on top of it, like I was saying to me, I wanted to make sure that there was a way to really communicate and explain everything. So video is a big part of our platform too. Why? Because I believe in guided selling. I believe in the most personalized approach possible because I believe people buy from people. I don't believe people buy from businesses. And I think that the more you can genuinely walk someone through in a human way, helping them understand exactly what, where we're at, what's on this page, what they should be looking at, answering the questions they have as they go, that's where you really start to win.
0: I love this. We're going to keep going down this rabbit hole, right? Of like, so how do you make sure that it's not just content? but proper context, right? Mm. Because also as a buyer, I don't need a portal that's got 15 proposals, 10 white papers, 15 videos, three recordings of the demos that we did. Like, how do you make sure that it's actually enabling? Because, you know, I've, I've looked at solutions out there. I've had these conversations where it's like, the concept is good. Yeah. But how do you make sure like it's enabling, meaning it's actually making the buyer's job? easier versus yeah. potentially even overwhelming them. Where was like, wait, yeah. so now I've got all this stuff in front of me when I really did just need that one thing somewhere that I couldn't find. How would you encourage or teach sellers to craft this environment in a way that is actually helpful, not just overwhelming? Cause we know sellers were like, all right, I'm gonna put everything there. Oh, I'm going to enable, I'm going to enable the <laughs> shit out of this buyer. Like <laughs> they are going to be enabled and enabled. full. You know what I'm saying? Like how do we, avoid that from occurring?
1: I mean, really, really great question. And this was one of the first things I discussed with my development team and my UX design team before we even started building this thing. Because what I knew, I've been in sales for over 20 years of my life now. I've worked with a lot of salespeople. And what I know is that when we get our hands on content, we love just sharing that content. Right? We just love sharing that content. Most of it we've saved to our desktop, so it's completely outdated. It's like five years old. Marketing hasn't had a chance to touch it, but we still share the crap out of it. And there's really no rhyme or reason. So here's our secret sauce. I should probably whisper this part. You know, if there's any competitors watching, this is our secret sauce. This is where all of our competitors got it wrong. I'm going to say that. That's what I'm going to say. Once I build a page for somebody, Kevin, I never have to make another page for that person if I don't want to ever again. Mm -hmm. the link to that page will will stay the same as long as I leave it the same. However, as the conversation changes, I can change the materials on the page and they will only see the recent version of it when they go to it or when people they share it with go to it, which means I can use my platform to send just a video to somebody in a cold outreach on a LinkedIn message. And then when they respond and I have a meeting with them, I can add materials to that exact same link on an exact same page. And then when we have a second meeting, I can add more follow-up information or a recording of the previous meeting for them to share with teams. And then when they ask for an agreement, I add the agreement to that page. And then when they sign the agreement, this is where it turns to magic because it's not just for sales. Customer success is the number one driver of sales right now. Okay? Customer success is where all of our success is coming from. When you land the deal on our platform, you transfer the ownership to someone else, on your team that handles onboarding, training, customer success, it's still the same link. It is their customer page. You are modifying it now with all the information they need to get onboarded and trained to use what they just purchased. Mm-hmm. Right? So the secret sauce for us is once you've stood it up, it's easy for you because all you're doing is making sure, say, I sent you that page with X, Y, and Z on it. I noticed that your team had looked at this material 15 times, this material nine times, because, of course, we're tracking the analytics on this stuff, Mm -hmm. right? I noticed you didn't look at this. Was there a reason you didn't look at that? Well, you know, we decided that we wanted to go a little different direction, and this isn't going to be as important to us moving forward. Great. I'll take that off the page for you. Um, now that you said that, though, it sounds like you are more interested in X, Y, and Z. So I'm going to put some resources on the page specific to that. Um, additionally, I'm going to put a two-way portal on here for communication. So if anyone has questions when they're a- reviewing this page, you can just ask me right on the page. I can answer you on the page. We can keep the communication flowing right here on the page. You mm-hmm. see what I'm explaining here? Like We're just keeping everything condensed in one place, constantly being modified and updated to the stage where they're at
0: hmm. Well, what I hope people caught and like sellers and sales leaders, I want you to rewind back about 30, 40 seconds and also listen to the level of intention he's talking about where it's, Hey, I noticed you did look at this stuff. You didn't look at this stuff and then asking the question behind it of like, does that mean that's not a priority or you already feel confident there? So we like it's using the tool as itself more often not when I hear about buyer enablement, it's nothing but a glorified folder where it's just got a lot of stuff in it but no one's really using it to make decisions. no one's really using it to change the sales process. So like people rewind back and listen to how he's describing using this portal to make the buying experience better. Yeah now let's keep going. yeah how do you get buyers? To use it and engage with it because that has always been my, you know, call it like grief with there's so many tools out there that have been built that are supposed to help buyers, but then buyers don't use them, right? <laughs> I've got a 75, 80 person team. I've got a board meeting I'm preparing for next Friday. I've got God knows what's going on across my company to go through. And then it's like, wait, you want me to go where for this information and go through? So how do you enable the buyer? Yeah. <laughs> to allow for a buyer enablement?
1: That's a really good question. And I'm going to be really honest with you. It hasn't been the biggest challenge for me Go or it. for my customers. Okay. And I can see why that would be a challenge with certain things, right? But what I would say is one of the things that I learned early on when I was kind of building the product, beta testing the product, trialing it with my first users, what I was learning is that there was this fun factor in how you could involve the team that you haven't met yet through your main point of contact, right? So one of the things that I do all the time and I train all of our customers when I talk to them to do is let's say I'm talking to you and you're like, hey, Josh, this is awesome. And I'm going to take this to Bill and Betty um, on the team after this call, right? Then I'm like, hey, guess what? Remember when I made that video for you and I put your name on a sign first, right? I'm going to record a new video on that page. I'm going to put Bill and Betty on that and I'm going to call them out in the video. I'm going to welcome them into this page and I'm going to explain to them what's on this page and what they need to look at. And then you're like, dude, you just did all the work for me. I love that concept, right? Because what I'm trying to do is make your life easy. You're Mm -hmm. the buyer. Your life is way more challenging than mine. I mean, sales is really challenging, but like your life is more challenging than mine. And I don't want to put more work on your plate. If all I do is send you a bunch of stuff and say, yeah, you're going to share this with your team, so here's a bunch of stuff, and that's all I do, then what you need to do is form an email, and you need to say, hey, Bill and Betty, the reason we're reviewing this is because our objective is X, Y, and Z, and this platform helps us to solve for X and Y, and we still need to find a uh, solver for Z, but hey, can you review this stuff? That's too much work for you. Instead, I'm going to bring it together for you, and I'm going to say, Bill and Betty, you're looking at this page because I had a great conversation with your colleague, Katie. KD asked me to organize some specific information to help you understand how this is going to help you solve for some specific challenges we've been discussing. So when you scroll down this page and that's when I go into screen share mode, I'll say, here's what's on this page. You can review this document and this will help you understand this. You can review this video and this will help you understand this. Skip to the 10 minute point on this video and you'll understand our Salesforce integration, whatever it might be. Okay. This is how you guide the sales process. It's not just guiding your decision maker, it's literally becoming part of the decision-making team. It's becoming the guide for the decision-making team. Everyone starts to feel like they know you, even though they've never met you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the, the coaching of the, the buyer, I think is so important because you know, we send them things like the example I always give, right. Is, you know, sellers are taught to lead with value, give value, 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 yeah. And the example I always give, right. It's like, all right, so if I gave you a briefcase with a million dollars in it, would you be happy? Like, mm-hmm. would that be pretty exciting? Sounds fun. Yeah. Right? And 99% of people like, like, yeah, of course. And I say, yeah. cool. It comes with one catch. Can't spend it. You can't spend it. You can't trade it. You can't use it as leverage. You can't give it to somebody. You can't even burn it for heat. You just have this, this cash. Are you still happy? No. And everyone's like, well, well, no. And I go, I literally, I literally just asked you. If I gave you a million dollars cash, would you be happy? You said, yes, you have a million dollars cash. Why are you not happy? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, because I can't use it. I was like, that is what determines value. If you can't use it, it's not valuable. You have to be able to use it. But where buyers and sellers are almost on always opposite ends of the spectrum is how to use it. Right? If I don't know how to use what you're sharing with me, whether that is a white paper, whether that is a checklist, whether that is a video, if I don't know how to use it. It is not valuable. So how do you then craft some of this content in a way where it is usable? Meaning I can actually do something with it to help me make a decision. Because what was it like? I don't need more information. I need things I can use. How do you approach that?
1: Okay. Number one, I'm going to do what you did. Anyone that was listening to this, if you were sleeping at the wheel when, when Katie was just talking, go back because that's so important. And this is an area that so many people miss it. I don't want to get off top. I want to answer this, but I'm going to answer it in a little bit of a roundabout way. There was recently a study. I want to say Sandler sales put this study on, but I'm not hundred percent sure. I can't remember now, but they asked a bunch of salespeople. If a customer asks you to send them information, do you know where to find it? Do you, did you see this study? No, this was insane. They asked salespeople. I mean, listen, my only job is sending information, I feel like, sometimes, right? Like, every conversation I've ever had in my life so- ends with, sounds great, send me information, yeah. <laughs> right? Anyway, they asked a bunch of salespeople. 65% of them said, I have no idea where to find anything. And so I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, we're, we're having problems hitting quota, and 65% of the world's salespeople don't know where to find information to send to their customers. That's a, that's a really big problem we have here. So... But I think this plays into what you're talking about here, because what's happened is, you know, listen, marketing teams are typically speaking much more technically based than sales teams. I would say that sales teams are becoming more technical, mm-hmm. right? It's a demographics thing. KD, I would assume you're very technical in your approach and in your role and in the tools that you use. But you've probably worked with a lot of sales professionals that have been in sales longer than you that are like, no, I'm not using a CRM. No way am I recording a video. And there's no way I would build a digital sales room for somebody. That's ridiculous, right? So technical proficiency is typically speaking right now, a little bit higher on the marketing side. All around. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then, so we have people that need to send information, don't know where to find the information. So they resort to what I said before, saving stuff that they have found from the folders that marketing set up onto their desktop that they use for years and years and years and years and years. They really haven't even looked at that information. They just assume that sending information is value. They just right. assume they don't ever look into it. And then that's where it comes into this problem of I needed to send something because I need to advance this in some way. So I'm just going to send this and hope that this works. And they'll tell me if it doesn't work. Well, they're not going to tell you. They're just going to move on to someone else because they, you're a dummy. You're sending them the wrong stuff all the time, right? They don't want to keep asking you because that's too much work. You're already making this too much work. So they're going to work with whoever makes this easy for them. How you can make sure that reps are sending value is a big. Big, big, big focus of exactly how I built my platform. Mm -hmm. I don't want this to be a big advertisement, but like it's a great question, and it's part of what we did in our platform. Our platform isn't just a place to send information. It's a place you store the information before you send it as well. Marketing teams can keep everything up to date in our platform. It's a full content library, right? And you might be thinking, yeah, but why do we need more content libraries? Well, because sales doesn't want to go into the marketing content library. That's why. Mm -hmm. We don't want to FTP in to get things. We just want the things we need when we need them. We want to make it fast. And the beauty of a platform like ours is marketing can go in and update that information whenever they want. And if the company adopts this philosophy in their process of this is how we send information, then you never have to worry that we're sending outdated information to people because marketing is keeping it updated. And even if you sent something on a page six months ago, marketing updates it today. That page is now updated and you did nothing. Right. Mm-hmm. So. Number one is making sure people have ready access to the resources they need, because if they can't find it easy, they're going to send whatever they do find easy, and it's not going to be valuable. So the big thing, the big thing I focus on in our platform with the training is in this content library, let's make sure we have folders. Let's keep this organized. Let's think through the sales process. Let's try to help reps understand that when we're at this stage, we are more likely to close a deal if we infuse this type of information onto the page, or if we're at this stage, we are more likely to close. Let's bring other reps into the conversation. What's worked for you? Show us how your page modified over time while you were working through these deals, right? Let's really start to build this holistic approach in the organization around what what was valuable to the customer. We know it's valuable if the deal closed, right? If we lost the deal and we lost another deal and we lost another deal and we review those deals and we go, oh, well, each one of those deals we did the exact same things. Mm. Well, that wasn't valuable to them. Right? Mm -hmm. But I think the simple answer, KD, is just ask. That's one of the things I love to do. And you pointed out it before you caught me. That's my big trick. I love the analytics. I love looking at analytics, and I use those against people all the time. And sometimes they're like, dude, that's creepy. Are you tracking me? And, and I'm like, yeah, I am. Of course. Of course I am. And guess what? Everything you do online is being tracked by somebody, so get over it. Yeah. But my favorite thing to do is to just wait for something, some sort of action to happen on a page. Mm-hmm. I get an immediate alert. I get a text message It says, hey, this page is being looked at. This is being looked at on the page, dot, dot, dot. And uh, if it's something that requires a response or something where I can be creative in a response, proposals are the easy ones, right? Hey, I just noticed you were looking at that proposal five minutes ago. You, you're probably still in there. Do You have any questions about it? That's the easy mm. one, right? But if someone watches a video, an explainer video, right? Okay, well, maybe I'll send them a quick message, too. Hey, Katie, I noticed that you were on that page I sent you. It's awesome. And I saw you watch the video, the explainer video. Did you have any questions coming out of that? Is there anything additional at this point that I could provide to you to make the understanding of our platform a little simpler? I mean, mm-hmm. it's so simple. You can hit them on LinkedIn with that. You can hit them through email with that. You can send them a text message with that if you're if you're getting close enough. I mean, there's so many ways, but use those analytics to your favor and just ask the question: is what you have valuable to you? is what you have helping you make sense of your challenges and how our platform can help you solve for those challenges. And if those things aren't aligning, then you need to be creative and start bringing new things to the table for them.
0: Yeah, and I think actually, and that's the last question before we start to kind of wrap up here, is like what type of, say, content would you recommend most reps teams have call it accessible within these obviously it'll differ by you know industry and sales but like what's the type of content you would recommend like hey you need to meet you at least need to have some of these some of these some of these like to start building out what would some of those suggestions be all right well
1: let me ask you this is this sign reversed or is this the right direction on your screen it's the
0: right direction on my screen
1: okay so any of your listeners that's watching this go ahead and scan this code right here okay there we go This will start answering some of the questions for you right here. This is going to go to a page I built on my platform right before I recorded this episode. I put materials specifically on the page that I think will be representative of where you might be if you have any interest in learning more about sales reach right now as a potential buyer, right? Mm -hmm. If someone goes to the page right now, they're going to find things like uh, industry articles reinforcing what buyer enablement is, helping people understand this buzzword and why it's important and why it's more than just a buzzword, number one. Number 2. Um and so industry articles, if you have a product where there's like industry articles that help solidify why you exist, use those in your process. And and I don't even think you need to be mentioned in it. Mm-hmm. Right? I really don't. Because people need to understand what you do. Number 2, I always find that any sort of testimonials or case studies can be very very powerful here. And I'm a big fan of getting video testimonials if you can from here. And so you'll see, uh, Katie, if you go to that page, you'll see, and I'll send you a link to it after this as well that you can use in the footnotes if you want, but you'll see one of the testimonials from one of my customers it actually goes to a page they built on our platform. So you can see what their page looks like, but you can also watch a video where they recorded a video testimonial. So I killed two birds with one stone there. Um, the sales rebels have an incredible, just crazy built out page um, mm-hmm. on there in the testimonials as well. I'd highly recommend that your audience specifically looks at the sales rebellions page on there. Mm-hmm. And shout then beyond out, that, Danbury. shout out, Dale, shout out. Oh, Dale's Danbury. the man. Yeah. There's nobody better than Dale Love in this Dale. world. Love I want to be Dale when I grow up. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and then also there's just some quick explainer videos. I mean, really quick explainer video and then some PDF documents. Now, at this stage, that's what people want to review, right? Those are the simple things to understand what they're going to want to move forward with. Now, after that, after you have a conversation with somebody, That's when they're going to come back and you're going to identify what they actually need. They might say something like, hey, we're reviewing X, Y, and Z and X, Y, and Z. How are you different? Okay, well, that's when I'm going to start putting information on about how we're different from X, Y, and Z. Okay, but I don't think that that's necessary right now at this stage. Right. So I think that the page that I'm actually sharing through the show is a good example of just, you know, this is information that if you listen to this show, it's going to answer most of the questions you have based on this show about what my product is, and you're going to be able to make an informed decision about whether or not you want to have a meeting. And by the way, if you want to have a meeting, then there's a link on the page right to my calendar, and you can grab whatever time you want. Everything's done, right? That's a generic page, Mm -hmm. obviously, for any member or any listener to this show. But you better believe I'm going to make a custom page for that individual if they schedule a meeting with me, Mm -hmm. right? So... Okay.
0: Yeah. So I think, you know, those are things that I've, you know, really advocated for within my own orgs and companies that like, I work with, right? It's like, all right, you know, when they bring this to legal, you know what the top 10 questions or complaints are <laughs> for legal. Have that FAQ ready. Like, you know, they're going to have to run this by their CFO. Have the the deck or the video for the CFO ready. So they like, don't make your buyer or your champion go through this process alone? Because I think sellers always just drastically overestimate what a champion can do or how those conversations go, right? Let's play this out in the real world. I've had my managers bring me tools, right? My directors bring me tools, right? So this would be the champion, right? They've gone through some demos already. They're an internal champion. And they come to me and say, hey, KD, can we get this tool?" And I go, what is it? And they say, it does X, Y, Z. And I say, what problem would that solve for us right now? Well, I think it would solve da-da-da-da. How much is it? Well, it would be like, you know, 150 bucks per seat. No, no, not right now, Josh. <laughs> That's it. That's how the conversation goes. I there's, know. There's, there's no like This is what everyone forgets about these buyer committees. It is not 11 people sitting in a room discussing the purchasing of your product these are one off conversations that yeah. happen much shorter much lower in terms of like content kind of over 6 to 8 months and that's why it dies somewhere is cuz someone's like wait what are we buying
1: it's it's the game of telephone right oh yeah and that is exactly where strategies like this win. Listen, anybody listening, they do not need to become sales reach customers to do this. There's ways to do mm-hmm. this, okay? Like, I, I don't want anybody to think that I think that this is the only way to do it, but this is why it works. Because if I make a page and I have a dedicated link for me to share with one person, that person's going to go knock on one door. That person is either going to say, yes, pass, go, or no, I'm not interested and it goes nowhere else, right? But if that person says, yes... Then that person's going to say, can you now bring it to X, Y, and Z? Or I'll bring it to X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. Now, in the game of telephone, what happens? We start with something. And when we get to the end, it's a completely different thing, right? Because everybody brings their own flair into it. We don't want everybody bringing their own flair into it. Yes. And that's why I, I like using my tool. That's why I built it. That's why there's more tools like it now is because people started to realize that if the game of telephone comes into the B2B buying, decision world, by the time we get to that final, how many times have you been brought to the table when it finally gets to the final decision maker? And they're like, oh, we're really excited to get going. You know, the number one thing you're going to help us with is X, Y, and Z. And you're like, who? Oh, that's why I don't know where you got that. That's not
0: actually what we do. <laughs> this just happened to me too. I guess now two months ago where yeah. I got a LinkedIn message from, and it was two different vendors with different products, you know, saying, Hey, like, you know, really looking forward to, you know, like what I, like, you know, basically like how can we get this deal done by like, you know, end of quarter? I was like, right. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> no. no one has even mentioned to me no. the idea of paying for this Like if I'm in your pipeline right now, move me back because I don't know anything about this. You know, it's like, and then again, like there's a difference in, you know, and then we'll we'll wrap here. There's a difference between how, you know, an SVP looks at problems and like a manager or director looks at problems. For that director, it might be their biggest problem is blank. But to get that deal closed, it has to connect to one of my problems, one of the things that I'm trying to change. And that's where I kind of love this idea of like the rooms and almost like rooms within the house. I'm like, yo, CRO, go here. Don't even get bogged down in the living room. Go to the kitchen, right? Check out what's in there for you. That's what you need. That's what you have to go through. And so I just, I think this is something that can be helpful if it's the right content with context, not just more content for content's sake. Let me and throw this still, out
1: real quick. I know yeah. you're about to wrap, but this along the lines of what you're saying and along the lines of your post today, we we need to allow people to buy the way they want to buy we need to be flexible enough to not always sell in this prescribed way all the time because that doesn't work. People have different needs. And specifically to your point right there, everybody has different information that they need to review at different times through the sales cycle. And if we're talking about a CEO, we're talking about literally the most busy, task-oriented, like answering the most questions, making the biggest decisions, most decisions, all day, every day person. Mm -hmm. That person doesn't want to watch some Fluffy video of you smiling and dancing and blah, blah, blah. They could not care less about that video. What they want is they just, they trust the smart people that they hired that if they're reviewing something that needs a signature, that they, that it needs a signature. Right. Mm-hmm. And they sometimes, sometimes with, with my platform or in this strategy of delivering content, keep in mind, it doesn't have to be one page that controls it all for all people. Sometimes I will make multiple pages for the same organization, there we go. and I will say, marketing team, this is the page I want you on. Sales team, this is the page I want you on. Leadership, this is your page. The leadership page is going to have anything that needs to be signed, okay? And is going to have any recordings from meetings that I thought would be important for you to hear your team's response from. Marketing, it's going to have all the onboarding and implementation information onto it. Sales, it's going to have tactical tips. Now, I don't do this for everybody, mm-hmm. okay? but again, be flexible. If you're having a conversation with an organization and you realize, you know what, they're structured differently and they're going to need a different process, that's when you start to realize we need a little more flexibility in our approach here. And that's where the content really starts speaking specifically to the people you're working with. The flexibility is there. The problem, KD, is not that most tools aren't flexible. The problem is that most people aren't creative enough to find the flexibility in the tools. That is the number one problem right now with
0: sales tech. Yeah, it's being creative and I'll throw out my favorite word, intentional. Right? It's just yes. being intentional, yes. right? Like that's where, you know, you're like if they are structured differently, to me I just see it as like are they worth it? Like are they worth having a few extra rooms? Are they worth crafting this process, right? There are too many deals out there that are multiple six-figure deals that are not treated like they're multiple six-figure deals. It's like it's worth it. This is going to make you 20 grand in commission if you close it, like treat it like this is going to make you 20, 30 grand. So so as we wrap on this, man, right? Like, you know, it's the final question I always ask, right? The name of the podcast is Live Better, Sell Better. It's also have this weird idea, right? Like if we had more energy, more fulfillment, more joy, more anything as who we were, that the sales would also improve. What would your live better advice be for people listening?
1: Here's what I would say. Never sell something. Never sell something that you aren't proud to represent, okay? I've quit more jobs than I've maintained in my life because it gets to a point where I don't believe in the mission, vision, vision values any longer, where I don't believe that it's going to actually do what I'm supposed to say it's going to do for people. That's why I started building my own companies. I wanted to be able to actually believe in what I did, right? Try to believe in what you're doing. And I've told people that before. And people are like, yeah, it's easy for you to say, right? I sell toilet paper. And, you know, I'm not going to love that every day. Listen, that's fine. But do you love the company? Do you love what they stand for? Do you feel good every day when you go to work? Because I don't care what what the business does. It's not so much that. It's when you wake up, do you wake up wanting to do it? The second you don't want to do it anymore, your sales are going to dip, right? Right. For a founder, for a business owner, you know, the stress, stress is the first indicator, right? Like the second you have any sort of financial stress in a business, that's when your sales start dipping because you start, you start not or you stop believing in yourself. You stop believing that, that what you're building is, is going to make it, is going to go. And then you don't sell with the enthusiasm, right? People, uh, love seeing people that are, that believe in themselves right? Because when you see someone that truly believes in themselves, you aspire to find that in your own life. There's too many people in this world that don't believe in themselves. Mm -hmm. Too many people, right? So you need to be that beacon, but yeah, find something you love, whether it's a product service or a company that you can put your stamp of approval on, that you can endorse every single day and wave that flag, right? Um, and you'll find much, much more success. Happiness breeds success in sales, man,
0: without weird, question. Weird how that works, right? Yeah. Like if we're happy year the sales come where we always treat like if I could sell more, I'd be happier. You got to flip that recommendation. Everybody, Happiness Advantage by Sean Acor. I recommend it to everybody. I've bought it for my teams multiple times over the years. It's a, there's a TED talk on it as well. The Happiness Advantage, they even drop a stat in there that positive minded, right? Sellers sell 37% more than negative and neutral, right? Positive mindset actually does lead to selling more. So Joshua, man, this was phenomenal. Where can people find you? We'll we'll drop the link in the show notes for anyone that is listening and can't scan. But where can people find you? Where can people get more of what you're putting out?
1: Yeah, connect with me on LinkedIn, and please, when you send me a connection request, if you found me here, just put it in the notes. Like I, I listened to the episode with Katie. Um, I, I do like to filter my connections, so, um, put in a nice note. You can find our our company at salesreach.io. Um, and yeah, like you said, I created a page. You can put it in the show notes, and anyone can just go to that page, get right onto my calendar if they'd like a full demonstration of the platform. Um, and you can review a lot about what it is, and I have those articles on buyer enablement there. I would highly recommend reading the Gartner ones for sure. The Sandler sales one that's on there is really excellent as well. Um, but those are some of my favorite articles. And I promise you, if you read those articles, it will change the way that you engage with buyers for the rest of your life. Whether mm-hmm. you adopt a platform like mine or not, it will change the way you engage with buyers because you will stop thinking about just yourself. You will start thinking about how do I help them understand how do I be a less of a salesperson, more of a guide? And how do I build trust through being an incredible resource for them? That's what you need to be. Be an incredible resource for them because they are confused and they are scared and they're about to spend a bunch of money. And why do we never think about that? But we don't
0: because we're th- thinking about the clothes and that is why, so. <laughs> awesome. I mean, well, I appreciate you, the energy, the insights, all the ideas here, really, really good stuff. I'm sure we'll be talking more soon in the future, but I appreciate you. Thanks for everything.
1: I love it. Thank you.